We will be opening today a passage from 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 10. And I will be reading this passage in your hearing. And Paul is speaking a very personal story in this particular passage. So listen carefully as he talks about himself and what's happening in his life. We'll be reading from 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 10. Hear the word of God. Paul writes this. I must go on boasting. Though there is nothing to be gained by it, I will go on to visions and revelations of the Lord. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. And I know that this man was caught up into paradise, whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows, and he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast, and on my own behalf, I will not boast except of my weaknesses. Though if I should wish to boast, I would not be a fool, for I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain from it, so that no one may think more of me than he sees in me or hears from me. So, to keep me from becoming conceited, because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given me in the flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly in my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. What we have just read are two extremes in Paul's apostolic experience. On the one hand, he talks about a heavenly experience. And then on the other hand, he talks about a thorn in the flesh. And both of these experiences had the potential of throwing Paul off balance. He could have become very prideful of his heavenly experience. Or he could have fallen into despondency and given up on his ministry to the Gentiles. And this morning, we're going to review Paul's story here and how God adjusted his attitude to an attitude of contentment in spite of his weaknesses and in spite of that heavenly experience. And then we will attempt to apply some of the things that Paul learned to our own lives. So the first question we're going to ask is this, why is Paul writing these things to the Corinthians? And we have to step back, beginning in 1 Corinthians 10, Paul begins to write against false teachers. False teachers had come into Corinth, and they were teaching errors about the gospel. In addition, these false teachers were questioning whether Paul was truly an apostle. They might have said, well, when the apostles replaced Judas Iscariot, they looked around for a man. And the qualifications for that man was that he had to have been with Jesus 
since the time Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist until Jesus was resurrected from the dead, and then when Jesus ascended into heaven. And they looked around and found a few men and chose Matthias to be another disciple. And they're saying, look at Paul. Paul never met Jesus personally. Paul was not around when Jesus was preaching and teaching. Because of these questions about Paul's apostleship, Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 10 through 13, of which our passage is in the middle of, to explain his credentials as an apostle. With this in mind, let's see how Paul explains how his attitudes were changed. The first thing, and the very first thing he said in our passage, that he is boasting. And when we think of someone who boasts, we think of someone who talks about his or her accomplishments. Sometimes we talk to a boaster who talks about what a nice home he has, what a great family they have, and they tell you all about their family, what abilities they have, how far they've advanced in their job at work, or what they've accomplished during their lifetime. That's a boaster, and they are excessively proud of their accomplishments. Paul thinks of boasting differently. He's written, let one boast, boast in the Lord. He wrote that to the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians 1.31. Perhaps he's remembering some biblical Psalms because Paul was a scholar and he had a very good knowledge of the Bible. We read in Psalm 44 verse 8, in God we have boasted continually. This was Paul's view of boasting. And we give thanks to your name forever. Or in Psalm 34, we read, My soul makes his boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Paul doesn't think boasting has any value. He pokes fun of those who boast. In fact, we read in 2 Corinthians 11, verse 16, I repeat, let no one think me foolish. But even if you do, accept me as a fool so that I too may boast a little. Paul is making fun of those who boast. And then he continues, what I am saving with this boastful confidence, I say not as a Lord, but as a fool. Paul thinks of boasting as foolish. He says, since many boast according to the flesh, I too will boast. For you gladly bear with fools being wise yourself. Paul is saying this tongue-in-cheek. He is boasting, but he is saying it's foolish to boast. He's poking fun, but he is ready to boast. He's going to show you what it is like to boast, and the way he boasts is going to be in sharp contrast to those false teachers who have arrived in Corinth. So what does Paul boast about? Paul boasts that he has had an experience in heaven, or he also calls it paradise. It's the same place. And he says it twice. Paul has such an aversion to boasting. He writes like this. He says, I know a man in Christ. Oh, you know that people speak this way sometimes. Sometimes you hear a call-in show and someone says, I'm asking for a friend. And you know that they're really asking for themselves. The boaster talks about himself. Paul is talking about a man. Paul is talking about a man who is in Christ. 
Paul makes it clear that he's kept this thrilling experience that he had a secret for 14 years. He had no need to tell anyone about this experience until now. And he's using it to talk about his apostolic credentials, but it really isn't a credential at all. Then Paul says twice that he doesn't know whether he went to heaven or paradise in his body or in the spirit. He's contrasting himself to those false teachers who gave stories about how they were transported bodily to heaven or how their spirit had gone to heaven and what they had done there. Paul says, it doesn't matter whether I went there in my body, whether I went there in my spirit. And then Paul says, I heard things, but I can't tell them to you. Also, in contrast to those false teachers, they heard things, they said, and I am going to tell you about everything I heard in heaven, because that's what I'm supposed to do. And they developed false gospels based on their false experience in heaven or whatever it was that they experienced. So why would Paul boast about this experience when he didn't know how it happened exactly and he couldn't tell us anything that he had heard? Well, first of all, it was not to boast about it, but it did establish something about Paul. Paul would not have been taken up to heaven or paradise unless God had a mission for him. God thought highly of him. God brought him to heaven for some purpose. We just don't know what it is. Paul wasn't going to tell us about it except here. John Calvin suggests that perhaps God was helping Paul stay in the way, keep going, that God told Paul he needed to persevere. But this is pure speculation. We can't even speculate on what happened to Paul. But Paul says in verse 6, he never told anybody about this experience for 14 years because he didn't want people to think too highly of him. He wanted people to think about Christ. He wanted people to think about what it meant to have grace, what it meant to be saved. Those are all the things that Paul wanted to speak about. Paul wanted people to judge him by what they heard him speak and teach the way that he lived his life, what his lifestyle was like. He didn't want his preaching and teaching to be based on a particular spiritual experience that he had had. And we should think about this for a moment. Don't we want to be judged upon our performance and what we are like and not because we had a particular experience? We can think of some examples of people who have had an experience or they perform very well in one area. Think about professional athletes. They are tremendous athletes. They are wonderful people as long as you're watching them play basketball or baseball or whatever. But as soon as they step out of their athletic abilities and they begin to spout off on politics or religion or something, are they credible? No, they're not. They're an athlete. That's what they know about. And they, if they think they're knowledgeable about other things because they're a good athlete, they should think about other things. And so we too 
one experience may have impacted our lives, but that is not the experience that we're going to talk about over and over again. That's not going to flavor how people are going to view us, our lives, our speech, our day-to-day activities are how we are going to be viewed. And Paul wanted to have his entire life examined. And it is true. Paul had visions. He had other spiritual experiences. Remember in Acts, he had been converted. He was struck down by a light. Jesus Christ confronted him. And when Paul said, who are you, Lord? The Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuted. But rise and stand upon your feet. I have appeared to you for this purpose, to appoint you as a servant and a witness to the things in which you have seen me and to those in which I will appear to you. Paul wasn't afraid to talk about a spiritual experience that he had. In fact, the story of Paul's conversion, which was a supernatural conversion, he told it three times. It's three times in our scriptures. Paul heard the gospel, and he explains to the Galatians in Galatians 1.11, For I would have you know, brothers, that the gospel that was preached by me is not man's gospel, For I did not receive it from any man, but I received it through a revelation of Jesus. Jesus taught Paul the gospel. Paul, when he was staying in Corinth, became afraid. He thought that they were going to maybe kill him. He thought he better get out of town quick. And then we read that the Lord said to Paul in a vision, do not be afraid. But go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. Paul was willing to talk about a vision. Paul was willing to talk about a spiritual experience, but not this one. There was nothing in this spiritual experience that changed Paul's knowledge of the gospel There was nothing that changed Paul's view of the Lord Jesus Christ. There wasn't anything that he could tell people about in this experience. Just as an aside, I want to assure you, when you become a Christian, you do not expect to have a second spiritual experience. You had an experience initially as a Christian. You were converted, maybe dramatically, maybe slowly, but that was a spiritual experience. But do not expect an extra biblical experience, spiritual experience that confirms your salvation. That is not what God did. You were saved by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Your sins have been forgiven. Jesus Christ paid for your sins on the cross. Jesus Christ makes you perfect and presentable to God the Father. Jesus Christ takes your hand and brings you into heaven, and you will spend eternity with him. This is an ordinary spiritual experience. You have spiritual experiences every day. If you read the Bible and you meditate upon it, or you pray to God, 
you hear a sermon, you listen to a sermon on the radio or somewhere, you are experiencing a spiritual experience. And the question is, are you having spiritual experiences? No. The question is that you should ask for yourself, are you growing in faith? Do you desire to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ? Do you desire to know more about what it means to live as a Christian? And so you are learning about God. That's your spiritual experience. Now, going back, have we answered the question, why did Paul tell us about this exhilarating spiritual experience that he had? And the answer is in our text. We read in verse 7, Paul tells us that this spiritual experience is the reason he was given a thorn in the flesh. He is explaining why he has a physical disability. Paul's companions knew that he had a thorn in the flesh. They knew he was suffering physically. Perhaps that's why Luke accompanied him from time to time. And what do we know about Paul's thorn in the flesh? First of all, this thorn in the flesh was painful. It was physically painful. Have you ever fell in a thorn bush or cut your hand on a rose bush or touched a cactus plant? Each one of them is a thorn. It's something that pricks you. That's what Paul had. But secondly, you can climb out of the pricker bush and you can pull the prickers out of your skin. This was something that Paul had continually. It was a burden. It did not go away. Those pricks kept pricking. We don't know what kind of physical ailment it is, and we are not going to speculate about it so that nobody can say, I have a Pauline disease. That's not what we think about. But Paul says this thing was so bad that it was like having a messenger of Satan. It was like Job. Remember Job? Job, we read in Job 2, verse 7, that God allowed Satan to strike Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. But Satan had more of a purpose with Paul. Satan wanted to use this thorn in the flesh to disqualify Paul from the ministry. But God revealed that he had a specific purpose for giving Paul a thorn in the flesh. And Paul writes about it. He said it was to keep him from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the vision and the revelation that he had had in heaven. And so when you think about what God had done for Paul, Paul had had a great privilege in being brought to heaven and shown things there and heard things there. And God says, also, because you've had this privilege, I'm going to counteract your tendency to pride and conceit with a weakness. Paul needed an attitude change. He needed an adjustment to the way he was thinking. And God allowed the thorn in the flesh to make him humble. Haven't you seen this in your own lives from time to time? Perhaps you were becoming proud of the fact that you have a very nice family. 
or proud of the fact that you have advanced at your workplace, or proud of the fact that you have a beautiful home and it's decorated wonderfully, or proud of the fact that your business is doing very well. And then it seems like God sends a spoiler. Something happens in your family. Your home needs a lot of maintenance. Your job isn't going as well as you would like it to go. It may be that God is pulling you up short. God is giving you a thorn in the flesh. And why is God doing that? God wants you to give God the glory and not take the glory to yourself for your successes. And so, like Paul, you may be suffering from a persistent physical disability. And God isn't using that to... to bring you down into humility, but he's using it as part of normal life. Have you come to terms with the fact that God has allowed you to have a disability to be for your own good? And then we think about Romans 8, 28, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Sometimes we don't know why things happen to us, but we know that God purposes good for us. Paul is always good to us. And so what did Paul do about this thorn in the flesh? Here's what he did. He prayed. Here's what he did again. He pleaded with God to remove the thorn. And what did he do a third time? He earnestly entreated God to remove the thorn in the flesh. And why was he praying to God? Because he knew that the Lord Jesus Christ was his high priest. And as a high priest, we read in Hebrews 4.15 that his high priest was able to sympathize with our weaknesses. And that the Hebrews writes in verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. And so Paul cried out to God three times. Think about it for a moment. Nowhere in the Bible, except for here, does it tell us that it's sinful or unspiritual to go back to God many, many times to ask for deliverance to pain, deliverance from our troubles. In fact, sometimes people spend a lifetime praying that a certain person be converted, praying that God would take away a particular problem that they have. And there are times when you God uses our prayers to teach us patience. There are times where God uses our prayers to teach us that this is the way we're going to have to live. We think about Jesus when he spoke about the persistent widow. And this widow went back and back to a judge to ask for mercy, to ask for a judgment, to ask for righteousness. And finally, the judge got so tired of her that he gave in and he administrated justice as we read in Luke 18, verse 7. And this persistent widow, the, the thing that Jesus taught us is, will not God give justice to his elect who cry to him day and night? We are to cry out to God day and night for the things that we need. But then 
Paul, he felt that God should remove this thorn in the flesh. And here's how God answered him. And God answered him in a way that he doesn't answer us. Paul was an apostle. God answered Paul in such a way that is helpful for us. The first thing God did is he denied Paul's request. God said, I'm not going to remove that thorn in the flesh. You are going to live with that thorn in the flesh. But God just didn't say no. God said this, my grace is sufficient for you. God's grace is always sufficient for us. We read in John 1 verse 16, for from his fullness, we have all received grace upon grace. God was adjusting Paul's attitude. God said, my grace gives you the strength of body, the strength of your mind, the strength of your will, the mental fortitude to deal with this painful thorn. God said to Paul, you will learn to live with the pain and you will still preach. You will still teach. You will still travel. You will live as a man who is honoring me. You will preach the gospel throughout the world in spite of your infirmities. This must have been a hard lesson for Paul when we find ourselves in permanent hardship. And it seems that God is never going to restore us. God is never going to take that hardship away. We need to look for God's grace. We need God's grace to move forward in faith in spite of our hardships. But God told Paul something else. He said, my power is made perfect in weakness. Think about this. We can ask God for restored health. We can ask God to help us when we're in financial trouble. And God turns around and he says, I am going to give you eternal life. It doesn't matter that your health isn't so good. It doesn't matter that you have no money. You are going to have eternal life. You're going to be in perfect health in heaven. You are going to be richer than anyone here on earth is rich today. We ask God for deliverance from our troubles. And those troubles are so difficult. And God says, I'm not going to take those troubles away. I'm going to give you patience to persist through those trials and tribulations and troubles. You are going to be able to withstand the trials and tribulations. God answers our prayers based on what we need. He answers our prayers for our prophet, not always what we think would be good for us. And so how did Paul respond when he heard these things from God? When God told him, my grace is sufficient for you and my power is made perfect in weakness. Paul says, okay, God, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. What a change in attitude. Paul could have become conceited. He could have boasted about his experience in heaven, in paradise. Or Paul could have become a complainer who said, God gave me this thorn and it is causing me unknown pain and suffering. How can I even do the work that God gave me to do? Paul could have said, 
God has given me this burden. I have such a burden from God. But no, Paul expresses that he is glad of his weaknesses. Glad of weaknesses? Why is Paul glad of weakness? What is it that makes him glad? The reason he is made glad, we read in our passage, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Paul recognizes that God uses those who know they are weak for his glory. In fact, this is not a new concept for Paul. We read in 1 Corinthians 1 verse 27, Paul writes him, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God loves weak people. Paul later wrote in 1 Corinthians 2, 3, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. Paul knew that he was weak. Paul had to depend on the power of Christ. Paul had to acknowledge his weakness. And Paul goes even further. Listen to Paul's attitude in these words. He said, I am content. And then he describes when he's content. He's content with weaknesses. He's content with insults. He's content in hardship. He's intent in persecutions. He's content with calamities. And so this is how Paul could boast. He could boast that God could use someone like him who has gone through all these troubles, hardships, persecutions, calamities, and bodily weakness to proclaim the gospel. Paul gave God the glory for all that he had gone through. And then Paul gave us an encouragement. And I call this encouragement the kind that you hang on your bathroom mirror somewhere in your house. He said, for when I am weak, then I am strong. God uses people who are weak. God doesn't use a self-sufficient preacher who does everything by his own abilities, his own creative efforts. But God uses people who are dependent on God's power. God uses people who know their weaknesses. Paul knew that he could become conceited. He could become proud. And he thanked God that God restrained him. God put a thorn in his flesh that kept him from becoming conceited. And there are some lessons or questions that we can ask ourselves. Are we dependent on God in our weaknesses? Are we looking to Christ to give us power and ability to live a life that is a witness to others? Have we become content in our circumstances, knowing that God will use us wherever we are? God can use us at any age, young or old, in any situation, and in spite of our weaknesses, our attitude needs to be an attitude of contentment or resting in our Lord Jesus Christ. God changed Paul's attitude toward his life circumstances. Paul was ready to become conceited over what he had heard in heaven. 
And God had pulled him in and given him a reminder to not be conceited, to not be too proud, and to focus his efforts on preaching the gospel to the Gentiles. Are you using your weaknesses to glorify God? Are you using your strengths to glorify God? Are you living your life to glorify God? Put this in your house somewhere. These are the words of Paul. For when I am weak, then I am strong.